Shock the System. Welcome to Dank Discussions with me, Calican CEO Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Dank Discussions. Today, we're joined by Warren Pulley. Warren is a former police officer with the LAPD, military police with the U.S. Air Force, has a long list of uh, you know, experience in security and cannabis, currently the CEO of Silo, Silo Inc. Thanks for joining us today, Warren. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Did I miss anything there? You have uh, so much experience, you know, plethora of, uh, of, of cool stuff. Anything there that I miss? No, it's all good. You know, right now I just sell weed. You know, yeah. like everybody else. That's, That's it. it. I love it. You know, and I want to talk, you know, obviously talk about, uh, you know, the transition from there um, and your background um, in security and transitioning that into the current thing, selling, selling weed. And, okay. uh, but, uh, but also, you know, we'll start off easy. Let our listeners know where you're based out of today. So Silo is based uh, out of Palm Springs, California. So we are kind of at the center of, you know, pretty much everything that goes on. We have pretty wide reach. Um, we transport and deliver and distribute throughout the entire state. We're state licensed, metric compliant. And so if anybody's in the, in the business of uh, cannabis, give us a call. We're everywhere. Amazing. Yeah, distribution. I want to get into exactly what that means and what you guys are providing and the unique way you guys are doing it as well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, first, you know, I want to hear the background, Warren, you know, coming from these, uh, these different positions, with law enforcement, with the military, security, um, and then now, like you said, selling weed, baby. So what's the, what's the transition like? Tell me the story, you know, how this all came about, your background, um, and then transitioning into the industry and to get so, to where you are now. I mean, I come full circle. Like you said, I was in the military. Um, I was a police officer for a number of years. Went to work overseas for a private military company doing security in, in Baghdad during, huh. you know, after the war at the height of, you know, some of the insurgent activities. So, you know, while I was there, I picked up a lot of different, you know, ways to kind of, you know, transport things and people and security processes and just how to make things safer. So um, when I came back from Iraq in 2013, a friend of mine owned a couple of grow operations, some dispensaries, and he was like, hey, look, you need to take some of that experience you have and help me out. Oh. You know, I ha- I'm losing a lot of money um, just in product. I'm losing a lot of cash from insider theft come in and help me develop a process to kind of secure my bottom line. So I just took what I knew from law enforcement, from what I knew from the private security sector, put together a, a, a package of security options for him. I helped him build out his own vault, developed some routes for him to run cash operations, helped him pay his taxes and pay other businesses like B2B, and just basically turned his loss, you know, from a little bit more than six figures a year down to zero. Uh-huh. And he was really impressed with it, told some other people about it. And so I came into cannabis that way. Um, eventually, I kind of switched over and went to work for a cannabis payments processor called All 36 and was trying to learn the money side of it and, and, uh-huh. and how cannabis operators were trying to, you know, make payments seamless for their customers since they can't really use Visa and MasterCard. So was a unique opportunity for me to see how some of these really, really cool technologies were coming into place to help people make payments and process and, you know, help them 
you know, have a better end user experience when purchasing cannabis and going into dispensaries. Um, and then I came into Silo. Basically, the investors in Silo wanted the security side to come into their distribution network, but they also wanted the business side management, some things I picked up as an analyst at other companies and stuff like that. So um, after a short conversation with them, they basically said, look, you have the whole package. You can help us with the business analytics side of it, the security side, and let's go sell it to the, you know, to the cannabis public. And so now that's what I'm doing. Wow, that is so cool. I mean, that's so much extensive um, experience. And I was telling you off, off air, but the, you know, certified badass, obviously, you know, and, uh, but I love also that you, you go and you to different positions and you're integrating them all into one piece. Right. I think so, so many times we and it's, you know, super important to focus on one thing and to know where you're good at and keep going with that. But we fail to uh, continue to grow um, our experience in different areas, maybe where we feel weak at or maybe where we, we see a vision at that we want to 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 grow from. Um, and that that's where we're aiming at it. OK, so I don't have that yet. This is where I want to go. Where am I missing? I'm missing this. So I'm going to go take this position over here and learn that. And I think that's awesome. Um, now, yeah. You get, and it, it really helps out because, you know, from just from my military training, I learned, you know, how to focus. Mm. And then from my law enforcement training, I learned, hey, listen, you know, when these businesses are out there operating from a law enforcement perspective, I can walk in and conduct a threat assessment and say, hey, here's your problem. Like mm. when the police respond, this yeah. is what they're going to see. This Identifying something ask. right away in split second. Right away. And then I was a business analyst for um, a managed health plan. So I really learned the analytical side of how to get business operations up and running and basically, you know, just from a continuity aspect, you know, how do you keep things going and recover? And then obviously, you know, from the cannabis side, um, that's a whole animal all its own, but every step of the way I've picked up some kind of acumen to bring me to the point where now I can go out and sell cannabis as a legally licensed, safe, secure place to do business and make profits at the same time. Exactly. That's, that's the point. Yeah. I love that. And I definitely want to talk about, some of the the issues facing obviously all cannabis businesses these days that you touched on there. But before we move on from your, from your personal experience, you know, coming from the LAPD, from the military, you know, I have uh, one of my good friends, he's a LAPD, amazing guy. Um, and don't want to generalize obviously, but it's not, I mean, he's never smoked weed in his life, you know? So, um, or so he said on his lie detector test, but, um, you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but um but you know it, was there like any sort of backups or any sort of problems like that you felt internally or anything like this or just kind of like transitioning from one thing to the next you know um um you know i didn't see any problem with it like of course you know when i went to my background interview i had smoked marijuana when i was 10 uh -huh. i didn't join the lapd until i was 27 so uh -huh. i didn't and i still don't smoke marijuana as a matter of fact uh -huh. i rarely drink so for me the cannabis industry is a business uh -huh. um, it's, I, I'm not in the life, but I, I like legitimate business and I didn't see any problem with the transition. Actually, when I was a police officer, I kind of thought the war on drugs was kind of cheesy. You know, here sure. we are, I we mean, got ridiculous. robbery and murder and, you know, just really, really high, heavy part one crimes. And when I was in LA, I worked in two of the worst districts in LA, Rampart and Southeast. So, I like the radio calls that took me to places where people were actually out there like doing harm to other people. You pull up on somebody and they got 
you know, an ounce of weed or they got some crack on them or something's kind of going on. Yeah, they're committing a crime. And yes, you're going to arrest them. And yeah, you're going to process them. But when Prop 36 was in place in the state of California, we had a way to divert those people. I always thought that was better. Uh -huh. Right. Uh, not that I was against the war on crime, but the war on crime failed miserably. It's still failing. And I think a better way to do it, because I lived for a short while in, in Europe when I was a teenager. And I think they found a way to integrate, hey, you know, use responsibly in these locations and just to kind of give adults a way to go out and recreationally enjoy these things without it becoming a law enforcement issue and affecting the rest of your life. So to me, it seemed like a natural transition to bring what I knew from my law enforcement experience into this space because on the compliance side, it's really just all rules and regulations. And so when I go out and talk to growers and dispensary owners and operators, I say, hey, look, if you're going to come into compliance, you better come into compliance with somebody who knows the system from the inside, who can explain to you the pitfalls of not being in compliance. Because believe me, when the state of California actually catches up and all of their law enforcement and, and analysts and everybody are in place, you're going to want to be in compliance. You don't want them knocking on your door with a gun and a oh, warrant yeah. and putting you down. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And uh, I mean, I love the way your brain thinks. So, so different from my brain, you know, just ADHD kind of all over the place. And, you know, <laughs> you're very much like, boom, that, 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 you know, um, and you mentioned there the war on drugs. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. It's, it's been a horrible failure. Um, and, uh, you know, talk about not pulling punches, you know, it's, it's been a racist kind of implementation, right? Like you look at people who were, who, who uh, incarcerated because of the war on drugs and still incarcerate a lot of people. Um, and then you see people who are in the industry, um, you know, who maybe, you know, have more of a business background and they're looking at it more as a business. But um, meanwhile, there's people sitting in jail for nonviolent marijuana crimes. What, what can we do about that? You know, um, is there a way to to kind of uh, help the people that, that are still stuck there or to kind of uh, right the wrongs of, of that, um, you know, coming because you have experience from both sides, right? So you're in a unique yeah. position to be able to talk about that. Well, I tell you, first of all, when people say the war on drugs, you fight a war with an army. Uh -huh. Police officers are not an army. They're not equipped to go out and fight a war on drugs. Uh -huh. If you have a war on drugs, you have to have an army for that. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So it automatically pits the police against the public when the public is really doing something that's no different than smoking tobacco. No different than using alcohol. Yeah. It's a it's a mood altering substance. Uh -huh. Just put put laws and processes in place for people when they have alcoholism. They can go to AA. Uh -huh. You know, they have a problem with say marijuana or you know whatever drug they're using. Allow them a, an an outlet to go and have that issue solved. Don't put them in prison. N uh -huh. Number one. Uh, the second way is the laws have to catch up, right? Because now you have this you know, hodgepodge of laws all across the state. Some states are legal, some are not. Federal government needs to get out of the business of regulating, you know, you know, just everyday like usage. Just get out of the business of it. You know, decriminalize it across the board, regulate it, tax it, use some of that money to help people who have drug problems, who are addicted, and just make it a safer environment for people to use. We're losing too many people either through overdose or incarceration, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. failed drug war. It does not work. And I've seen firsthand, like up front, daily in some of the city places I would patrol, it doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. 
She's the same guys out, or you know, it's it's breeding more hate. I think that that doesn't need to be there. Like you said, there's so many other ways to go about it. I love how you compared it to like the twelve step programs. You know, uh, giving people resources if they need help, they need help. They don't need to be incarcerated, right? There's there's other things that are going on underneath the surface. Um, but you also mentioned I know that your whole thing is about compliance regulation, and you you brought up how the the laws have to catch up, right? right. And what we've seen here in practice, you know, in California is that we're dealing now with a system that has uh, put people who are compliant behind the eight ball in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, you know, with having to keep up with taxes, having to keep up with the compliance and how those things are changing all the time. And meanwhile, it's kind of, in a way, strengthened the black market because they, you know, they don't have to deal with all that stuff and they're making better profit margins. And right now we're seeing that three-fourths of dispensaries in California are black market dispensaries. Well, how do we deal with that problem, right? From, from both the compliance side, like how can we help people who are trying to keep, be compliant and not give up on it? Um, and also to kind of, uh, you know, do away with the black market in that way and to encourage a, uh, a better market where people can make money um, while be compliant. Well, uh, uh, one way to do it for sure is the state of California needs to bring in some of the old heads, right? Some of the people who've, who've been in this industry on the illegal side for a while, bring them into the conversation. Say, hey, yeah. listen, how, how much does an ounce really cost for you to grow and package and sell it? What do you think the market will bear so everyone can kind of come into the business? Not be you know, mega profitable the first year, but how should we package it and sell it? The state is only interested in one aspect of it. They want to tax it. And then there are some people still within the state bureaucracy that want to tax it and regulate it, you know, basically out of, out of business. There are a lot of people in the state that don't want regulated legal uh, cannabis. So as long as you have those two sides that are not in agreement on how, the, how this legalized um, product now is going to become compliant and normal, you're going to have a problem with that. Um, I think the second way you do it is you, you, you have to make it so it's competitive, right? So if I have, I'm not going to name the large big red box here in California that sells, but if I have company X that's selling me an ounce at $28, right? Mm -hmm. And I got, you know, the green cross next to me that's still selling, you know, at $10, where am I going to go? Yeah. You know, you have to make it so business can be competitive and you have to understand the market that if the, if the black market is still going to sell it at a price that people can afford who are your end user, you got to push the price down. You got to take some of the regulation off. You have to make it so business can be competitive. And the third thing is on a compliance side, put processes in place to go and shut the unregulated places down. Yeah. That way you can flatten out the market. You can tell the people who are complying and paying taxes and testing the product. Hey, we're going to make it so it's a level playing field and it's fair. But unfortunately, the state hasn't caught up to that. It doesn't seem to be interested in from an analyst side of really making it fair and equitable across the board. And until you do that, the black market is going to thrive. It's going to stay where it is. And I really don't see the state catching up anytime soon. Wow, that's interesting. Wow, that's fascinating. First of all, so much information there. Are you saying that it's not going to catch up anytime soon? Because, I mean, they're kind of left unchecked, right? The black market's kind of left unchecked. Uh, it's been a slow process, I think, one by one. You know, if I find out, not find out, closing them down, maybe not. You know, it just seems like it's just kind of uh, uh, snowballing and become kind of its own thing. Uh, it's, it's really 
And, and it is because from a compliance side, everybody, you know, the one word people don't want to hear on the cannabis side is compliance and regulation. Along with that comes law enforcement. So the state of California, once it ramps up its law enforcement oversight, it'll go out, it'll start, you know, knocking some of these illegal dispensaries down. But um, until that happens, I can go down the street from my own house right now and there's two legal dis- dispensaries and there's probably eight or 10 exactly. across, the, across the bridge from me and, and it's, it's open. In the, in the open with security guards and it looks legal, but if you check the state database, it's not supposed to be there. So, so you, yeah, oh, it's so it easy. It it's so <laughs> interesting because it's so interesting. Like you said, it's so open. Everybody knows it's at, it's there, and yet nothing's been done. You can check the database and be like, hmm, there's no license registered there. You know, there's right. nothing. It's so easy, but you know, it's uh, and it really does do a lot of harm. Uh, but like you said, the the big harm that's being done, I think, uh, is kind of starting at the top. Um, that that's fueling this fire because people, you know, the legislators, the, the states, they looked at this right away as like, hell yeah, baby, bring that cannabis money. Let me get some right. of that cannabis money, right? Like that's what right. it was about. It was like, let me get some of that green money. We're going to tax the shit out of them. Look at what they're doing in Colorado. And that's the way they looked at it. It's a, so it's going to cost you this much to get an application, this much to stay compliant, this much. In order, and it just gets so crazy. It adds up so quickly in the taxes. I mean, it's just like, you know, the, the greed, I think, kind of got in the way. Of, right. of the and then, have- you know, from a social equity standpoint, too, oh, yeah. it, it's still continuing to hurt the people at the bottom. So if, if, if it takes me a million dollars to get into the cannabis game, automatically, the people who have less than are out. And then you have to get live scan to be in this industry. If you have a criminal background, you know felonies or anything like that, you're probably not going to pass the live scan. The BCC is probably not going to allow you to be inside of a cannabis business. So, and it could have been that you got arrested for cannabis, right? Like uh, exactly, you know, and it's strange. Incredible. Incredible. So there, there are a whole lot of different layers, you know, to this, to this game that people need to be aware of. And then, you know, from the distribution side, when I go in and I'm in businesses, like I said, I can walk into a, a legalized dispensary and look at the prices I can go into an off-market dispensary and look at the prices, and they're completely different, uh-huh. right? Just completely. And it's just, it's just nonsense. Yeah. So it, it has to get flattened out, and I'm just hoping somebody can come in um, from the cannabis industry um, and just kind of help these analysts at the state level kind of put processes in place to level the playing field so we can make it a viable long-term green market. Exactly. Um, for it's not going anywhere. Job. It's not going anywhere. We just it's need not. to do it the right way. And like you said, you need somebody. Um, it seems like uh, people up in Sacramento or just, and, and it goes in everywhere in every state, you know, they're just out of touch. They're right. out of touch with the market. They're out of touch with the product. They're out of touch with the, with the end user. They, they don't really know what's going on. Um, well, you know, what's funny. They're not really out of touch. Like physically, they're not out of touch because you, you've seen presidential candidate, candidates, even our former president. They talk about how they used to smoke and use. Yeah. So like physically out of touch with smoking. No, they, they know what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just that, you know, once they get into higher public office, they laugh and joke about how they used to use. And but I think the disconnect is now that they're in public office, now they have to go with what the broader voting population is saying about use and regulation. And I think that's where it needs to stop. I think, you know, like our former Senator, you know, Kamala Harris, I think she had the prime opportunity and being a former prosecutor to say, you know what, enough's enough. Like we have laid waste to entire, you know, decades of people in this game when 
you know, they're openly admitted they used to use. It's nonsense. It's such a shell game. It's nonsense. It is. It is. And it just has to do with, like you said, public perception. And the, and the whole thing was created, you know, not by them because it's been now 80 years, but the whole thing was created the stigma because of prohibition that people associate, obviously, you know, weed, cannabis with this horrible, horrible thing. So they're not, they're not at liberty, right, to, to be in public office and talk about their past because then they would, you know, the public perception would be completely changed from them because of the stigma that was created by the government over the last. I think, man, I think when somebody gets bold and they just step outside of the square, right, and they say, listen, I'm taking it off of Schedule 1. I'll take the hit Can't for it. If, if, if I don't get reelected, so what? But for the public good, for, for a better, broader public good, I'm going to take it off the schedule. Like it's enough already. Oh, no. I guarantee you, people are going to, if they did that on Monday, people will wake up Tuesday. The sky wouldn't have fallen. The earth wouldn't have cracked. Things will just go on like they are. But now you can have a broader discussion about how to regulate it, how to tax it, you know, and just from a, a city standpoint, you know, how do you zone it? Like uh-huh. if the issue is you don't yeah. want it on billboards and commercials and whatever, do what you're doing with tobacco. Just don't advertise to kids, zone it properly, regulate it, tax it, and then just kind of leave everybody alone. No, I love it, man. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's going to take. You know, the scheduling is, is such a huge thing. And um, now transitioning over to, to what, what Silo does, you know, one of the main problems that obviously we touched on earlier with companies um, is their security, is the distribution, has to do with, you know, how much money people are losing from theft internally, externally. You know, I was sharing with you a story uh, off there, but, you know, 15 years ago, 2005, you know, right there in the Valley in LA. And we're, now you talk about the Valley in LA and how many black markets, you know, uh, just, you know, uh, dispensaries are there, but there was a, there was a dispensary there. Um, and, uh, one night some dude just went and rammed his car into the, um, into the, the dispensary went in there and took everything. Right. And since then, now they got to take everything out every single night and they got to have a, uh, security guard there with the truck in front, you know, blocking, you know, yeah. and it's been there now for 15 years, every single night, yeah. you know, they got to have a guy, you know, uh, what are, you know, what are you guys doing there to help um, cannabis businesses uh, to, to aid them in their distribution and their security? Um, Cause it's still, it's a huge problem. Yeah. So we take uh, an end to end approach. I, I know the term is seed to sale. So we take an end to end approach. We like to, you know, basically keep our people on a, a well-regulated schedule of pickups for their products, storage of their products, uh, managing their cash, um, basically going into their facilities and hardening the facility. So if I have a, a, a dispensary that's, you know, beautiful, it's aesthetic, it looks great, what I want to do is harden the glass, put in the necessary, you know, metal bars I need, um, Display cases inside, you know, make sure people can't smash and grab those. Background checks for your employees to ensure that, you know, they're not coming from backgrounds where, you know, they, they may have been involved in nefarious things in the past. Um, you just kind of come in and say, hey, here's, here's an assessment of your facility, your process, where you pick up from, the routes you take, how we're going to move your product, how much cash you have on hand. When should it get picked up? How should it get moved? And we're doing all these things in not only a well-documented process, 
but I'm going to take the owner and walk them through. I'm going to say, here's a snapshot of what you look like right now. If I'm on the outside looking in as a criminal, these are the, your weak points. Here, here are the places where I can take advantage of your process. Then I say, now, if you lay silo on top of your process, oh. not only are our guys going out and picking up your product, bringing it to a place, because we can also uh, do some manufacturing, some co-packing, we do shipping, we can bring it directly into our facility, label it, package it, ship it out. It completely takes you out of the process. All you need to do is grow it. Now, if you're a dispensary and you have an issue with, again, you know, uh, some kind of smash and grab, you have a problem with your cash, same thing. Come in, do an assessment, lay silos process on top of it and say, hey, listen, we can bring you the tools necessary, licensed, legal, compliant, trained to help you keep your doors open, protect your people, protect your process and protect your profits. So what we like to do is just to say to people, you know, if you're doing it well and nothing has gone broken yet, it's just a matter of time and you don't want to get caught short. So a lot of our clients right now are really pleased with the way we've come in and basically helped them move not only their product, but we also protect their people in the process and we also protect their profit. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Safe, legal, legitimate, secure business operations from end to end. That's amazing. Yeah, I think, you know, unfortunately people, they take this knee jerk approach right like it takes for someone to get robbed you know god forbid or something bad to happen and then they want to implement after they've already lost the money where they could have saved money right, right by by upping uh you know bringing you in and helping them in, in that regard um I guess, like, like i told you my friend how we got into the business that was his issue you know he had had two robberies where two of his vehicles were taken off the road um large amounts of cash wow, that's were taken crazy. from him and then he had also a grow operation where people actually came onto the property and took mature plants. Yeah. So, you know, for him, it was like, dude, if you have the background of this, just, he didn't want to spend a lot of money and it doesn't really cost a lot of money, but he just wanted, you know, a professional process in place to kind of just help him step up his, his game. And it's, it's necessary because once, like you said, once they take it, it's too late. Yeah. And then once they take it, they figure out that you have no process in place to protect against it, they, they might come back. Yeah. yeah. And it's crazy. You know, you read these articles all the time. You hear these stories all the time. It's become a business, you know, where people yes. are, you know, going and looking for, uh, for targets like this, looking for marks and they're going, they, uh, you know, people, they, they work for, grow, you know, cultivation, right. And they'll be there for six months. And then at the end, they just, they've been there working for you for six months, no problem. And then they just jet with everything, you know, like, right. It's nuts, the stuff you read. Same thing happening in dispensaries. It's just absolutely crazy. You know, this stuff is happening from seed to sale, you know, end to end. So um, are there other distribution companies doing kind of what you guys are doing um, as well? And what makes you guys different? Well, see, honestly, you know, not to, not to beat my chest, but, you know, I know quite a few of the players in the California space and distribution. Oh. And everybody's kind of specializing in just distribution. They want to do their wholesale deals. You know, they want to do you know, uh, open-ended purchases and whatever they're going to do. But there's no one in the California space who has um, our blueprint, right? So we, we are going out and saying we can do all things in the cannabis industry. Um, and I haven't seen anybody else yet that can do it. And if there's somebody else doing it, they're not doing it like us. Because our experience is codified. It's proven. It's, it's certified. And every single time we go out to a, you know, a potential client, you know, we make sure we take certifications and documents and everything so they can say exactly, 
see exactly who we are, how we got to where we are, and we want to make them comfortable with, yes, you guys are the real deal. Because I'm, I'm sure if you go on the internet and you see some of the security companies advertising, they're all holding big AK-47s and yeah. AR-15s, and they got the big trucks. Well, you know what? Cannabis is corporate America now. Nobody's really going to do that, riding up and down freeways in California. Um, and you just need to have really good, quiet professionals in place that can come in and you know protect your bottom line, fall into the corporate image, and just kind of help you do really good work off the radar. Like our guys are not running around with AK-47s and shotguns. It's not. This is not Afghanistan. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's business. So yeah. And like a lot of our guys come from that background because we Mm -hmm. pull from, you know, some of the tier one guys and, you know, really well-trained, you know, former police officers and military guys. But when I hire them, I'm like, hey, look, you can keep your beard, you can keep your tattoos, but, you know, you're a corporate American. So, (laughs) you know, you know, know, just bring the skill set that you have and put on a polo, you know, get your khaki pants on, you know, (laughs) conceal your weapon and let's go to work. You know, let's go to work. I love it, man. I really do love it. I mean, just the way you're integrating everything. And that's kind of been what, that's kind of, it's so expected that we've been having problems, uh, you know, with the regulation. Because like you said, we're combining two complete different worlds. Right. right? Three complete different worlds. Well, now we have, you know, and we talk about it, you can see it at any conference, any, any, any cannabis conference. You see the differences of the people, right? From the stoners <sighs> You know, the quote-unquote stoners, the old heads, whatever, you know, the, the old-timers, this and that, to, you know, uh, the, the black market, everything, and then incorporating that with the business and the corporate America and the perception, and then also bringing in the legislation in Sacramento and everything. It's just like, a, it's so funny. It's really funny. And, 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 and you know, I try to tell people. It works at all, right? Like, it doesn't right. Because I think people forget, like, you know, sometimes I, I, I use this approach with people. I'm like, look, alcohol used to be illegal. Prohibition, you know, was the, was the law of the land. And you couldn't drink and you had to speak easy, right? When it became legal, do you think Anheuser-Busch, um, do you think Dos Equis, and all these large beer companies don't have security? You don't think they don't have chief security officers? You don't think they don't have, you know, armed people protecting their profits? So if you're coming into the cannabis business where you're dealing with drugs and money, right? That's the lifeblood of the industry. You're going to tell me you don't need security? You don't need a protective package wrapped around your business from seed to sale? How can that be? You know, you can People go. People just go, don't know. I don't think they don't know it. They they, 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 they know dollar signs, and they think I'm just going to jump in this industry. Wow, it's growing. Well, green rush, and they don't realize what they're really getting into and what the pl- big players have been for the last. You know, they, you know what? Actually, they do, but it, it, it comes to a point where their operating budgets get in the way. Mm-hmm. They don't really want to pay for the protection. Wouldn't that be so, one of the first things that they they should be in the budget? Like, shouldn't that be one of the first things? Should be if they know if they know that this is what they're getting into. You know, it's uh, yeah, like real business minded people who have you know CSOs and chief financial officers and analysts and people like that. Yeah, they understand that's part of the budget. That's part of doing business. Um, people who are just kind of coming into the game in the last, you know, four or five years, they're out for a quick buck. They want to make that brokerage deal. They want to, you know, you know, flash a check on Instagram. They want to do all that kind of stuff. But eventually those people kind of fall by the wayside and the legitimate brick and mortar businesses, they're slowly kind of coming around to the, 
prospect of, hey, you know, we need robust security operations in place, lay it on top of our distribution and transportation, lay it on top of our, you know, in-house dispensary operations. They're, they're coming around. Um, it's just, it's just going to take, it's going to, unfortunately, it's going to take something really bad to happen um, for people to really open their eyes and say, hey, we, we got to get a handle on this. Unfortunately. Yeah, no, unfortunately, you're right. You know, and, um, you know, the thing is how you guys are doing things completely different. And you have a whole different way of, of approaching it and the, your background. You know, is this something that you're finding that, like, people are just like, I mean, how are you finding your clients who you're serving, right? Is it something that people are knocking down your door and saying, damn, Warren, like, I want, or is it something like people are searching for? Or, I mean, how do you even, uh, to grow this, like how, how is that? We attend a ton of trade events every year, uh, whether it's on the banking side, you know, um, uh, grow events, cannabis, you know, events, just anything that has to do with the cannabis industry, we show up. Uh -huh. um, unfortunately, when something happens in the news and, you know, it's, oh, you know, dispensary operator shot or, you know, yeah. a driver for a cannabis business was robbed, phone rings off the hook. Yeah. The conversion rate for that kind of stuff is very low because people are nervous when it happens. It hits the news, the phones ring. Then they forget about it. As, as soon as we go out and explain <laughs> to them how the process works and what the cost of the process is, and then, oh, I don't really want to spend that. And I don't want to. Okay, no problem. When, when you're ready, we're here. Give us a call. Um, another way is word of mouth. So when we first kind of started doing what we were doing, people were skeptical. Let me get this right. You're a cannabis distributor. You also have a sales force. You have a dispensary, I mean, a, a, a distribution center in Palm Springs. You store, you manufacture, you package. And you guys do security? How's that? So once we explained to them that we felt it was necessary just for our own operations because of the amount of product we move around, we felt we needed it. I felt we needed it. And so I went out and partnered with a, with a security company. Um, that's kind of how we go out and we sell it. Um, but like I said, we just show up. Any, any event, we go and we explain what it is, and some people get it, most people don't, but eventually everybody's going to have to fall into compliance eventually. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it uh, would sell itself, really, but like you said, uh, people have a high pain tolerance and a short memory span. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, they forget. We just have that culture in general. You know, I think yeah. it goes beyond our industry. It's just kind of people, you know, we see it all the time with, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, when politics or whether it be with with shootings and, and we you know we say this and that and we feel bad and then we forget and then you know they they happen more more frequently until we get affected god forbid right so it's kind of that thing where it's just like you got to be preventative you got to think ahead um yeah. you know and it's a shame yeah we live, we we always say you know we work in the compliance industry not the not the cannabis industry you know and i think right. uh, that's uh, that's what kind of we're missing so yeah, I mean, so what, what's, what's the plan for Silo then? What can we expect uh, of Silo in the future? So um, right now what we're trying to do is help. Um, there's one thing we're kind of working on, I'll tell you offline, that we want to bring to the industry. It's going to be a big splash. It's going to be a huge game changer. Um, so we're, we're working on something now, basically where we want to take people from just the cash management side into a legitimate banking environment. Um, so Silo right now is involved in something that um, once that comes online, people are going to be really pleased with not only the ability for us to come and pick up their cash and store it, help them make payments, but 
get them into a, a legitimate banking environment. Um, that's something we're working on now. Uh, the other thing is we're starting to partner with um, grow operations up and down the state to kind of help them build out what we are calling community vaults. So people sitting on large amounts of cash that don't have legitimate banking, that don't want it transported to their house or you know to wherever their stash locations are, um, we are building a couple of community vaults up and down the state where you would basically pay a fee to have us take your cash to this vault location, store it 24 hours a day under guard, and when requested, can bring it back to you for whatever you know business purposes you need. So we have probably a dozen or so of those things under um, construction right now, and once those things come out, we'll we'll announce them. And on the distribution side, we're just remaining compliant. We're ensuring that you know. Uh, we have all the state licenses in place, the insurance in place, our facility is growing. We just brought in two huge partners, one called Gold Flora, another company called Shelf Life into our distribution facility. Um, and we're just trying to partner with good people in the business to do really good work and you know help help the cannabis business stay afloat until the state gets its house in order. So um, you know, we can, like I said, even the playing field. And so everybody can kind of come into the business and prosper. Wow, amazing, man. You know, it's so crazy. You know, you talk about these vaults you know, up and down the state. And it's so crazy. We would still, you know, with, after all the regulation, all the stuff going on, we still, it's just a cash business still, you know? And, um, yes. you know, it's like you're the bank, you know? It's crazy. The, the banks don't want to mess with it. The feds don't want to mess with it. You know, we've got the Safe Banking Act. Hopefully that'll help. It has nothing's, you know, slow, you know, things work slowly. Um, that regard, it's just so crazy, man. You know, it's it, part, it, it, part of the Wild West. So we still got it. You know, it's it's nuts. You know what it is because some of the dispensaries and grow grows we work with, they still have employees driving cash around. Uh -huh. Like there, there was one lab actually. You know, we we work with their employee was driving forty thousand dollars in cash once a week from their work location to pretty easy, pretty easy to figure out, right? If you get it, if you see a pattern, you know, and uh, yeah, he got picked off, so they called. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, we saw you guys in Vegas at a trade show, and you know, our employee <laughs> got picked off. And can we talk?" And you know, and and luckily their CEO got it. He was at the trade event, saw us talking. The following week, his employee gets picked off. We get a call, and I said, "Hey, we didn't have anything to do with that. Just so you know, <laughs> <laughs> we had nothing to do with yeah, that. No. <laughs> but I, but I'm glad you called, and, and we can help out." Yeah, it's crazy you would even have to say that, right? Like, that's a marketing technique, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember yeah. we talked? Oh, wait, yeah. wait, how, all of a sudden now I get, I get a phone call from you next week. Wow, you know. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Wow, amazing, dude. This is a whole, this is why I love having this show first and foremost. Man. I love they, they having you on because I just learned so much about different things that I hadn't given given a thought, you know, really to it. Not that I haven't given a thought to security, all this, but the, but the kind of the operations that go on. So I know I got so much value out of it, um, you know, and everybody out there, I'm sure that a lot of people got amazing value out of it as well. Now, um, you know, having all this background and having, you know, being a CEO of Silo and everything you've achieved, I guess, you know, how do you define success, you know, whether professionally, personally, or existentially, and what does success look like for you? For me, success is, you know, what do I leave behind? Like, you know, kind of coming like into this, yeah, totally C coming into this business. Like I said, for me, it's full circle. You know, 10 years ago, I'm on the law enforcement side of it. Uh -huh. Now I'm on the compliance side of it. Uh -huh. But I think it all is the same thing to me. Uh -huh. 
But for me, success is, you know, what do I leave behind? You know, a- a- am I going to leave this cannabis industry in a better place, you know, just through my experience and, and what little bit I can provide, you know, to people to kind of say, hey, look, you know what, this is not going anywhere. Let's make it viable. Let's make it a legitimate business. Let's turn it into something we can all be proud of. Get away from the black market business and just, um, you know, leave it on a level playing field and just, uh, you know, maybe one day when I'm in my 80s and, you know, I'm going down to the store and there's a green tea package and right next to it, there's a, a cannabis package for sale. You know, you just you just wanted to be compliant and safe. And really, like I said, for me, success is what do I leave behind? Do I leave it better off than I found it? That's it. Amazing, amazing. Coming from coming from the right place, um, you know, right intention. So appreciate that. Uh, you know, love that. So, as we close now, how can let's just find out more about you? You know, about Silo and connect with you. Um, you know, we go to our website www.silodistro.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, WordPress, Facebook, all under Silo Distro. Um, they can email me directly. I, I still answer phone calls. Um, my email is my first name, Warren, at silodistro.com. Um, and I'm available 24 hours a day. I sleep far less than I work. And uh, I, I, I'm all about being impactful and being available, being accessible. So if someone were to call me or email me, I'm going to show up. And like, let's go have some coffee. Let's talk. Yeah, amazing easily accessible for me to get a hold of you and appreciate that. And uh, this is something that I think everybody needs. If they don't have it in place already, it's kind of like, what the hell are you doing? You know? So um, appreciate you, Warren, jumping on today with me and uh, good luck for you in the rest of 2020 and beyond. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me and uh, success in your podcast. It's a great one. Like I said, I looked at some of the previous ones and uh, I, 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 I like the work you do. Thanks. Appreciate it. I think this one stacked up pretty good too. So I know uh, I do, you know, I, I can usually tell by the end of it if, uh, you know, how it went and this was a, this is a good one. So appreciate you and appreciate that as well. All no problem. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis marketing, branding, and web design. If you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you know you need an uptake in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us. Plans start at $248. Thanks for listening in to Dank Discussions, and we are so grateful for each and every one of you. We want to continue making dank content you want, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calacan.com. That's C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N.com. And follow us on Instagram for our latest updates.